It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Yes, hi everyone. The Premier League is well and truly back. Just a matter of 17 games since we last spoke to you on the Gagenpod. We have so much to get stuck into, including Liverpool back to almost their very best this morning against Crystal Palace. David Wiener with you, joined again by Thomas Sorensen, Michael Bridges. We cannot wait for this. Let's get stuck in. Boys, we're back to do it all again. Last week was the warm-up. Just two games. Now we've got a full week to get stuck into and potentially, potentially, belatedly, a title to talk about. Bridgie, how are you, mate? Good to see you. got a lovely Gagnapod green screen just glowing behind your head. It just feels right. The mood is the mood is set. It is set, Dave. And the reason I've got it so bright, mate, I've been up since 3 a.m. watching all the matches. The kids have been doing my head in this morning. And I'm <laughs> delighted that we'll be able to do the Gagan pod and get on with it so I can just switch off and talk about the games that we've just witnessed and what's coming up. And, you know, like you say, there could be a champion crown in the next 48 hours. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that unfolds. Uh, Thomas is the smartest of the three of us. He's gone. I've always said we needed a Byron Bay Bureau. And uh, that's where we cross to <laughs> right now. How, how are you, mate? Enjoying the football and hopefully a bit of sunshine too. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's great up here. You know, it's escaping a bit of uh, Melbourne uh, horrible weather um, to get up and... Uh, just get out with the, with the kids on holiday and, um, you know, again, just trying to keep up uh, from the relaxed vibe, keep up with the Premier League, keep up with everything that's going on in, in the football world. And uh, it's great to get the best of both this morning with uh, some cracking games and uh, a bit of holiday as well. Too good, too good. Well, Bridgie, Liverpool 4, Crystal Palace nil. The situation is now that uh, Manchester City, they cannot, if they don't beat Chelsea... Uh, on Friday morning, our time, 5, 5.15 a.m. kickoff, uh, Liverpool will be celebrating the title without even kicking a ball. Uh, what did you make of them today? It was a whole different case than when they played that Merseyside derby, wasn't it? It certainly was, Dave. There was questions being asked after the Merseyside derby. They looked a little bit lacklustre. They weren't up for it. And you can expect a few cobwebs, but I'll tell you what, watching Liverpool this morning, it was like watching the Liverpool of all. It's probably the most dominating performance I think I've ever seen from them. That is a scary thought, considering how many points they've done, what they have done this season. Uh, Yes, Crystal Palace added to that because they just sat back and they gave nothing towards the game whatsoever. They never had a press. We know that is Hodgson's way. They want to squeeze results out. Uh, And after losing Zaha early, that was a massive blow because the counter-attack kind of goes out the window for them on that side, on the left-hand side. So... Jordan Ayew was isolated up there, so was Townsend on the other side, and it was just pure, absolute joy football to watch the rotations from Liverpool, the movement when they had the ball. I mean, the two centre-halves were literally pinned inside Crystal Palace's half 
on the edge of the centre circle D. That's how deep Palace were. And Henderson was just dropping in. If it wasn't him going in between the two centre-halves, Fabinho was dropping in. And it, it, was, it was just incredible what they were doing. And the massive um, transformation for me was Robertson coming in at left-back. We know Milner got a bit of a strain. He was he missed this game, but have Robertson's energy levels on that left hand side, and you know Alexander Arnold with a, a free kick that is just an absolute joy, uh, and, and set the set the standard for Liverpool. Uh, it was just total football, mate. I've got to be honest. I felt for the goalkeeper, um, even though he would have done. He, he's actually robbed the living today because he had nothing to do. Alisson, he just sat at the other end of the field. Klopp went up to him and had a little laugh with him after the game, which I thought was brilliant, and he was kind of insinuating. He, he, he made a gesture to say, do you want us to go and kick you some balls? Do you want a session to have? Because you've done absolutely nothing. So that just shows you how dominant they were when they, the manager and the goalkeeper and having a laugh about how little he had to do. Well, Thomas Alexander-Arnold, Salah, Fabinho, Mane, there was, was sport for choice for moments to pick out. What did you take of the game? Uh, again, uh, I think Fabinho has, has to get a mention. Uh, with the, first of all, the, the pass uh, to Salah for, for the first goal, I think uh, it just shows what Liverpool does so well. You know, the, the runs in behind, especially like Bridget said, the, the Palace, uh, with the Palace side that sit so, so deep in, on the pitch. You know, you've got to get runs in behind. You've got to get that timing right. And it was a quality ball and, and Salah finishes, us, finishes it off. And, and, and then Fabinho you know, finishes the game with, with a, an absolute stunner from halfway line, more or less, uh, similar to a goal he scored earlier uh, in the season. So, you know, I think he had a cracker, uh, Salah again, you know, the top player and, and again, Arnold, you know, I think I'm running out of words for, for what he can do, uh, you know, with his crosses. And, and now today he steps up with a, a fantastic free kick, um, you know, uh, gives keeper no chance, a great curling ball over the wall. You know, I think, they, they're just a quality side. Yeah, there were, there were question marks after the Everton game, but again, you know, they're going to win the title and, and uh, you know, they're going to be talked about for a while and, and again, seasons to come as well because they, they've got something to build on. Like Bridget said, the Robertson coming on. They've got so many players who, who can only, you know, you can only see getting better. I mean, I, I still think there was a lot of things Palace could have done to influence this game. They played with a back four, they had the five midfielders and are you just trying to, you know, work himself between the two centre-halves and the sitting midfielder. It was a, it was a lost battle for him, really. Uh, and what, what Liverpool did so well, when they had Marnie and Salah tucking in towards um, oh, the striker, man, Firmino, they came inside and Alexander-Arnold and you saw Robertson go up to make an attack in five. So what you've got to do there, Palace, they've got Zaha on the left-hand side when he was in there early in towns and they've got to drop in to try and make it a six. And when Zaha went off, they just seemed to lose everything. So the, the back four, even though they've got the support of the, the midfielders to drop in, they didn't do that. It was so lacklustre because you can say, were they being lazy? Did they switch off? Or was it just total quality movement and understanding when and where to do it from Liverpool? So there was two things. And then the free kick, we talked about Alexander-Arnold, Tommy. You're a goalkeeper. It was a superb free kick. But I just question again. Why, if you know he's a right-footed player and he's dipping one in over the wall, you've got your smallest players on the outside of the wall? I just didn't get it. I just thought there was a lot of things. Palace, it was they, they looked really, really shell-shocked um, today. And the, the, there was a lot of mistakes that is not normally like you see from a Roy Hodgson team when they set up. So credit Liverpool, no end. But there was a lot of things Palace did very wrong today. 
was interesting. I thought one of the takeouts from the Merseyside derby was, okay, Liverpool knew they were quite close to the title. They, they didn't have to come out and play a million miles an hour. But lacking the atmosphere and the furnace and, and the health of skill to football that Klopp loves to play, he even admitted that, you know, there was something missing. Um, but today they showed they can flick a switch and show how versatile they are. You, you mentioned, Thomas, that... Um, We'll still be looking at this side for years to come and, and, and all that. I wonder how you think they will be assessed as we enter their coronation over the next few days, just given how strange the last six months has been. Yeah, no, again, they, they'll be in the history books. Uh, that, that's what counts uh, ultimately. But, but again, it, it has been a strange season. They've been so dominant. Uh, you know, there hasn't been that excitement that will be shown. You know, like we, we, we keep seeing the, the Man City... Uh, goal Aguero scoring last second and and that's what everyone remembers and people remember that year for for, for that exact moment. Uh, this year will be different. Um, again, some people will question, you know, the the, the lockdown that it wasn't really a, a true truthful season and all all these things. But in ten years time, Liverpool will be there with their name. Uh, and I think there'll be more to come. I, I think there's still the team to beat in in a couple of years. Again, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Man City in that whole situation, mm. uh, what mm. players they can keep, uh, what financial problems they can run into. And then you're looking at, at other teams like Man, Man United, definitely on the up. Uh, Chelsea, potentially, with, with the players that they've signed, a really youthful side, could potentially become a great threat to, to Liverpool. But... Uh, no, I still see them as the dominant side also next year, for sure. I found it interesting with the whole Timo Werner thing to Chelsea and, and him not going to Liverpool. Um, because him going there just blew my mind. And then I've sort of looked at the timings a bit more. And before COVID struck, there was this whole plan to integrate him during what would have been the African Cup of Nations when Salah and Mane weren't there. Um, but that's obviously been postponed, so it's not as important. Um, where can they improve, Bridgie? Where do they need to? Do they actually need to improve? Like, can Klopp roll out with this team again off a very short gap between the seasons and almost just build on what's already happened this year? It's a very, very tough question. And what I, what I love before the match, Klopp was interviewed by one of these Sky Sports presenters, and they said, "You know, this is your strongest team. You know, we believe that this is your strongest team." And Klopp had a laugh, and he said, "Oh, is it?" He said, "I always play my strongest team." Uh, and it was tongue-in-cheek. That team today, I do believe, is the strongest, and that's because he knows you've got the width. Can you can you add to that? I don't think you can. Uh, uh, that, that, for me, is a, a, just a, a star-studded lineup. the way they understand each other up front. Yeah, we've got Lewandowski, who's a top-class goal scorer, Harry Kane, and yeah, number nines, but do they do the job that Firmino does and understand the job that he's a, he's a very important role? The only thing that I would say would strengthen Liverpool, you've got to have a bit more depth. And I think we saw a big change when they didn't have your Robertson at left back. Uh, when you haven't got the right back in Alexander Arnold, now they're, they're, they're lads that are fresh, they've got energy levels. So, what I'm talking about, if they are out and you're going to do squad rotation, I don't want to see a James Milner as a Liverpool fan would come in as a left back. Yes, he's Mr. Reliable. Can he do, you know, and I just think they do need a number, another number nine that will support and is happy to play second fiddle to Firmino and, and push him. But then players are very hard to find because if you want the top-class strikers in the world, 
they're wanting to be playing every single week. So it's going to be a it's a very very tough situation that Klopp finds himself. It's a great situation, but it's a tough one when you're trying to replace these players that you've got and not disrupt them because they. I just think that they are flawless at this moment in time and the dynamics are there for that starting. Um, 11. I, w- I wouldn't be touching it. I'd just be looking to strengthen in the areas where I just feel they haven't got enough depth. That would be... Because you, you don't want to upset the ship. You know what I mean? The last thing you want is somebody coming in and being that number nine and it not, Werner, it's not working. Yeah, but go- going back to Timo Werner, I, I think uh, you know, I think that's what he's looked at. You know, I, you know he's... You know he's had a great time in his career, coming obviously on the back of some some great years, goal scoring wise, and 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 again going to Chelsea, he's going into a situation with Giroud, you know, thirty three, I think he is. Uh, you got Billion uh, Pedro leaving, uh, and and just a a great opportunity within the young side, and he's a young player to 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 be able, you know to be able to build something, uh, build a reputation, play week in and week out, and continue that goal scoring form. Where at Liverpool. Like Bridget said, he, he he wouldn't he wouldn't go in as a, as a as a number one uh, number nine. You know, he he would have to wait in the wings and wait for his chances behind Firmino. And uh, I think that's played a big part in his decision. Even though I think he would love to go to Liverpool, but I think for his career, he's chosen Chelsea. And that's smart. I like when players do that. I look at them, the lad Holland that did that at Dortmund. He realised what him and his father Alfie, who obviously I played with at Leeds United had a look and thought, yeah, you can go and get the money and you can go to different teams. What they've looked at, they look at his strengths and his weaknesses and thought what's going to you know, be best for his football and where will he fit in a lot easier and develop as a player. And it was a stroke of genius. Now, I agree with Tommy. I think that's what Dino Werner's doing. It. And there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of players do that um, in these, this day and age. The few and far between the ones that do will go on to have a very successful career and a pathway that they understand. It's not just quickly, let's jump at the, the best opportunity for now. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. So no disrespect to Chelsea, Dave, but he's got more opportunities there. <laughs> you never know. Title challenges and years to come, spearheaded by Timo Werner. I won't say no to that. Hey, just as we end up on that Liverpool game, Crystal Palace are the first team to record a single touch in the opposition box. Uh, the first side to raise that donut uh, since d- data was collected uh, in 2008-9 by Opta. So that just shows you how dominant Liverpool were in that game and how sort of... De- Not domination, it's a disgrace from Palace. <laughs> yes. It's a disgrace. So there I mean, you go. So that, that backs up what you were saying, uh, uh, Bridgie. But earlier this morning, when we talk about who might be rising through the ranks and a potential uh, team to talk about in years to come, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been telling us for weeks that United will be, and that people have been looking at it, if you're not a United fan, thinking... This guy's got to stop his rhetoric. He's talking all the time about this great United team. It's time to walk the walk. Well, they're starting to actually. 13 unbeaten, 33-3 in that time, if you take all the aggregate scores. And they were really quite excellent, uh, Bridgie, against Sheffield United this morning. 3-0 victors with Anthony Martial scoring the first hat-trick for Manchester United in the Premier League since Sir Alex Ferguson left. So it's seven years, 63 days since Robin Van Persie did that against Aston Villa. It was a pretty impressive day. Dave, I think that stat that you have just mentioned there, being that hat-trick from Martial, being the first since Ferguson, that typifies where Man United have been since the transition from Ferguson. And that, that's a scary stat, you know, for thinking that a Man United strike on a player has never achieved that, that just shows you where they've been and shows you where they're at now because 
when, when I saw that lineup today, yeah, the, 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 the back four and the goalkeeper, I'm thinking about the, the front, that midfield, how the dynamics in the front three. And, you know, with Matic in there, giving them that stability, you had Pogba and um, Bruno Fernandes, been dying to see them play together. And the two of them, they just seem to inspire each other. Fernandes, I think, has given Pogba a new lease of life. And he's actually given him a kick up the backside that he needed to say, listen, this is the standards you need, mate, every week, because Fernandes has been doing that. And it was great to see Greenwood, who there's been rave reviews about, I think he's the most natural goal scorer um, that I have seen come through the Manchester United ranks. And that's, you know, you've got your Rashford, you've got players that have come through there. Greenwood is the boy that's got left foot, right foot, and he makes goal scoring look easy. But he became provider today. He understood what he had to do. It was about supporting the midfield and supporting Martial. And the three of them, in Martial, Rashford and um, Greenwood, just absolutely dominated. And I think that's because the, the midfield was feeding the balls. They, they understood each other. And they're all good players. So when you're on the same wavelength and you're good players, um, they've hit it off, mate. And I, I thought that was a superb performance against a team, by the way, that have got a very, very good defensive record. So that's thrown a huge one in the in the Spanner works for Wilder and his defensive unit. Yeah, we'll touch on Sheffield United in a second. But yeah, keen to hear your thoughts on, on United, Thomas, especially because you, you hinted last week you were very excited about them. And now we're starting to see it. It's starting to back up week to week now. Yeah, for sure. And I think the balance between Pogba and Fernandes, uh, where I think in the past Pogba has probably taken too much on his shoulders, you know, ha- had to create too much, uh, you know, didn't sort of have a defined role, but but sort of drifted all over the pitch. I think now he can pick his moments uh, a lot more. You know, he's got a player whose primary role is obviously being the the provider, uh, the in the box runs, and, and 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 I think it fits Pogba a lot more. So he he can sort of uh, just you know, just pick his moments to uh, to in- intervene and 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 can also focus a little bit on the defensive work, uh, and and he's a great player. Uh, and in a more defined role, I think he'll be a, a, an even greater asset. And I think those two um, will definitely uh, be be huge for United going forward. And then you obviously have all the the youngsters green with. I just did the last goal, absolutely mm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, back you know a little bit of a heel flick, and then. Uh, 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 you know, a one-on-one and 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 through to Rash, uh, no, sorry, through to Martial and and just a clever little chip. You know, that's just showed the quality and and just the awareness and the sharpness of, of, of those players and just the excitement and that hopefully United fans can look forward to uh, going forward. Yeah, they've been genuinely boring to watch for about four years, Bridgie. But I've got to say, they've kind of become a fixture that I do circle to see if I can get to watch them at the moment because of what they do. What did you make of the actual way Fernandez and Pogba did set up together where it looked like they actually had pretty clearly set out positions from Solskjaer? What did you make of, of the way they went in their first game starting together? It was just tremendous day because they were on the same wavelength. They, they knew where to be when the other one was in a certain situation. They weren't both playing high. The balance was there. Like I say, when you're playing with great players, I, I, when I moved to Leeds United, I was not a Leeds United footballer, but I, be, I got their level. So you think of, you know, these two are world-class players and they're playing alongside each other. I just think, I agree with Tommy, that Pogba's gone, Phew, I don't have all the roles and responsibilities. I can start and express myself a little bit more. The, the weight has been taken off him. Um, and I just felt that they, they were straight away on the same um, patterns of play, the little flicks, yeah, it was just 
I loved watching it. And like you say, I haven't enjoyed watching Manchester United and the fans haven't. So to see them actually doing stuff and they're getting more numbers in the box, I think it was the second goal that I was really impressed with um, when Wambasaka just, uh, not Wambasaka, it was uh, Rashford, I think, just smashed the ball across to Martial. But it could have been one of, you know, there was a few of them just lined up there to get that goal. Uh, and so they're getting numbers in the box as well. And I think previously... They hadn't really done that. They were still a little bit, oh, what about the transition moments? So it was good to see that they were they were ploughing forward. And I still feel, I think we talked about this two or three weeks ago, how teams would be impacted playing behind closed doors. Mm. I think there was a little bit of pressure off United as well from their, from their fans. The players just seemed to have got on with it and held it very, very well. But you feel United not having their extra little support. Yes, it's away from home, but it, it means a hell of a lot to them. And I think it's going to, re I said it would affect them. And I think it's going to even going back to Bramall Lane because they feed off that and they, they didn't get it. But United and Pogba with that link up play were just superb, mate. So, Thomas, how good can they be? Um, as I said, we mentioned Sheffield United weren't an outstanding barometer for them today. But it's always been the question can Sosa balance the speed with the guile around the box? Do you think they're on their way? Do you think in a, in a big game coming up over the next little while, or against a team that really parks the bus, it's going to click? You know, I think that's, that's where it's, it's a big test. But, um, you know, as like Bridget said, you know, they were up against a good side. You know, they, they were up against a side that, that's, you know, has, has a good record um, on the defensive front. So, so I think that was, a, you know, a little bit of a, a taste of, of, of what's to come. Yeah, they can become, you know, they can become better and, and they, you know, and they will. Uh, Social will, will Bring in players. I, st I still think, you know, to, to really challenge for the title, I, st I think they are maybe a one or two players short. Uh, I would love to see them, um, you know, potentially get a, a Koulibaly at the back. You know, someone, uh, you know, I still think even though Harry Maguire copped a lot of uh, stick for, for, for last week's goal and he didn't look great, uh, I still think he's, he's a good player. He's a leader. Um, and uh, Lindelof, you know, yeah, he's, he's unsure. Uh, I, I still think there are a couple of players short at the back. Uh, De Gea, I think, will we'll come through this little bit of a, a sticky patch. Um, but uh, but going forward, I think, you know, they're as, as good as, as, as anyone. And, 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 and again, they, they like, probably like Chelsea, will uh, only improve from, from here on in. While you're, while you're talking about De Gea, do, would you, obviously Henderson didn't play today. Would you... If the two, if you have to make a call as the United hierarchy over the next little while, do you phase De Gea out to get Henderson back in? What do you do there? You know, Solskjaer spoke about it this week. I think he was, you know, he, he's again full, fully backing De Gea, and I think he should. Like De Gea is still a, a very good keeper, um, and and again, can he find a form he had uh, maybe two Five years, years ago? years ago. Ah, come on, come on, Bridget. Uh, you, you got, you got, you know, we're an easy, we're an easy target. The goalkeeper. Oh, here he goes. Happen. He's put the he's put the goalkeeper's <laughs> union flag right. You should have a background goalkeeper's union. It's tattooed right here. I'm not going to show it. <laughs> he's um, been crap the last few games. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't think he's hiding from it. Uh, mm. He need, he knows he needs to to get better, and 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 I think you're looking at him and and where two years ago he he, he saved him. 10, 15 points a season. Yeah. I think now you're looking at the mistakes that are creeping in. He, he's costing, uh, you know, points. And, um, and, you know, that's where he needs to, to get back to it. And Henderson, you know, he's, he's done really well at, at Sheffield United. Obviously, wasn't playing this morning uh, because of that, but he's a United player. But, yeah, you know, he can push him. And they've got a tough decision to make. Uh, 
which way they're going to go. But I, I still think they'll stick be, with the gay and, and potentially, like Solskjaer said, loan Henderson out maybe for another year and, and then uh, ultimately make him number one. I think that's the goal uh, if he continues this uh, ascent. Number nine, Bridgie. Is it Martial now? You know, is he the man to build it around? It's one game, doesn't swing everything, but I'm keen on, you know, Thomas said a couple of players still sort of challenging. Does that include another big name up there or is that trio the one to build on for the club going forward? Well, they've got to build on at this moment in time, Dave. Um, but I, you know, Martial does it for me when he's in that kind of mood. We don't see that mood enough. And it'd be interesting to see now how he goes now he's got that support with Pogba and then Bruno Fernandes behind him to see whether he can continue this rich vein, of, uh, rich vein of, of goal scoring because he's proven today there was all types of finishes in there his movement was good Some, I just think he drifts in and out of games when you're playing for Man United and I've you know, seen strikers at United over the past I'm looking at them every week thinking first goal scorer Number nine, United. You know, you've got Van Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie, Yarounis. You go through with them. He's not that type of number nine for me. Um, at United, he's a great player, but I think if United have got the cash to spend to go and get somebody that is a proven goal scorer, I would be going to do that, and he would. That that would be the same for me. But with with Greenwood, you've seen him in today. He handled it. He was in there. Um, Rashford, I think he's yeah, he's he's proven that he he loves that left hand side. He's even put his own hand up and said that he prefers drifting in from that side. So I don't think they're they're in in question whatsoever. But uh, Martial still, I've got this question mark about him being a number nine. I'm taking nothing away from him being a footballer, but is he a United number nine? I I still think he's he's got to prove that on a regular basis. All right, he's got two months to try and nail that this season. Um, but sorry to be the party pooper, but question for you, Thomas. Are Sheffield United going to make the top 10? <laughs> uh, you know, I think, you know, this restart will, you know, has thrown a lot of question marks uh, on teams and, and how do they start? Yeah, uh, you know, again, it's, it's tough. You know, I've been in a situation, you get a great start, everyone, you know, it, things just click. And um, I think they'll miss their home support. Um, you know, that, that's Bramall Lane. It, it's a tough place to go. You know, there's just teams that are going to suffer uh, with with the circumstances. And I think Sheffield United, sadly, is one of them. Uh, I don't think they can, you know, maintain this momentum, even though they, they've been a great story. Uh, you know, obviously talk about Champions League and, and, and all these things. Um, sadly, I just think that um, it's just slowly it's going to run out of steam and, and they're going to drift. I still think they'll finish in the top 10. Uh, I still think they got enough, but um, but that Champions League uh, fairy tale, I think, sadly, is, <laughs> is a is, is is a dead one. I think they're going to slip out of it. I see the Tottenham at home. They got Chelsea at home. They've got Leicester to play away, and I can just see teams in around them, like you say, Palace are always going to pick up points with with Roy's defensive um, tactics. Arsenal, I think, will have a bounce back, and you know, there's a few teams in around them. Everton might get a few results. I, I feel for them, and I. I, we talked about a few weeks back what teams are going to go, you know, benefit from this, and what teams are going to struggle. Sheffield United, unfortunately, the momentum that was sucked sucked out of them. They were on a high. The fans on a high. It, it's just it's been a terrible situation for them, and I think Wilder understands that. Yeah, Andy Townsend said in commentary they look like a championship club at the moment, and that's really unfortunate for them because they've done so well. To reiterate why we asked that question, they're eighth at the moment on forty-four points. Crystal Palace, ninth on 42. Everton on 41. Arsenal, 11th on 40. Yeah. 
So it's going to be tough for them going forward. Um, moving to yesterday's action, Tottenham against West Ham. And I want to segue to that still because I won't get this till a little bit later on in terms of who is going to make the top four. We've just dissected Manchester United. Um, Tottenham Bridgie against yes. West Ham. Now, I was watching Tottenham against Manchester United on the weekend and they had this, there's this new armchairs analyst on, on Optus Sport where a couple of the old legends sit there, pretty much like we are now in our, well, you're the legends, I'm just sitting here chatting, in, our, in your lounge rooms, talking about, uh, talking through the action and through the whole game against United, Glenn Hoddle, even when Spurs were up 1-0, was saying the fans wouldn't like this if they were there. And Robbie Keane, your, your, your golf mate, came on afterwards and said fans wouldn't like it if they were there. Um, so... Fan, what are you thinking? Didn't like it. As <laughs> simple as that. You know what I saw? I mean, it's, it's the pressure of fans. They want to see attacking football and they want to see players. And, you know, Mourinho came out and justified when there was questions, is Harry Kane, you know, strikers going to benefit from playing in your style of football? And we saw from, you know, Crystal Palace today, Jordan Ayew, if I was playing for Roy Hodgson, I'd be hanging the boots up myself early because there's no point in his even being out there. It's tough. So Mourinho's come out and justified that. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's... he's records are great but I just feel it's a lot easier for Spurs to play the Mourinho way now behind closed doors when the fans aren't going raw I'm seeing Sissoko get the ball and play it all the way back to the goalkeeper from the halfway line you know they're just trying to I know what they're trying to do they're trying to bring a team like West Ham out to try and have a challenge and look for gaps Man City do it brilliantly but when you've got a team like West Ham who didn't want to go and press they were conserving energy they're sitting deep there was just too many backward passes and I can't stand it when players go backwards. I'm all about, can you take your first touch forward? Can you look up? Get on the half turn. Let's play forward. That's what Pochettino was all about as well. It's the dynamics of going forward. And yeah, it, I, it, I think the fans watching it on TV, I'm just going, oh, this is boring. But they got the result. Harry Kane did get a goal. Um, but it wasn't inspiring to watch. And I would be super disappointed if I was the, the manager of West Ham knowing that we were coming up against a team like that, and West Ham players showed absolutely no desire whatsoever. They look, they look shocking. So I, I really feel feel for them. They're in a they're in a world of pain. Uh, in Tottenham, it's not pretty to watch, Dave. No doubt about it. But it was a result, and who can take anything away? Well, it's not like he didn't have attacking riches at his disposal, Thomas. He had Lachelso in midfield, Dyer who can pass out of defence too, and a front four that. Like, it's the envy still of most teams in the competition. Like, they're still a top four, top six front four. Um, do you agree with Bridges' assessment? Yeah. You know, I, you know we were sitting months and months back, you know, with the Champions League and we were talking about, obviously, Mourinho and how we would think this was would pan out. Uh, and I think, sadly, it's just going in, in the wrong direction. I don't think there's a future there for Tottenham and, and what they want to achieve with, with Mourinho. There's too many... Too many negative storylines now. And Dombele has come out, and you know, he doesn't want to play. And you know, you got that's that's one of the you know, biggest signings. Uh, you know, the club looks to be in a bit of a financial stride with with lack of income, and you know, obviously all the you know NFL games and and other games and concerts that that, that you know that the big outlay for the new stadium hasn't sort of brought back in. Um, you know, Mourinho was even questioned if he wanted to take a pay cut. <laughs> and the storyline they created was, yeah, of course I will. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, Bergwijn, you've got son, son, obviously. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. And Kane, you should be able to get more out of that. You, you said that they've got plenty of riches. They've got, got enough good players there. Um, I just don't think the philosophy that Mourinho has uh, gets the best out of it. And, and sadly, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to get much, much better going forward um, if, if they keep him. In the one with uh, in Don Belly, he hasn't he's never really settled in at Tottenham Hotspur. He had a few issues as well there previously. We don't know what he's what's been going on in his life and mentally, and that's why I never wanted to comment and criticise him. Um, but it still speaks massive volumes for him coming out and saying that he doesn't want to play for Jose Mourinho, whether that is family or whether it's because of the tactics. Who who <laughs> who knows? But I, I I would go with the the tactics and the style of play that just doesn't suit what he he wants to do as as a player um, and. The other, somebody asked me the other day, what do you think of Jose Mourinho? And I said, I, I can't comment. I hate making a thing when I've never met the person. I said, but what he gives us in the media and what we see from him, for me, is just all now excuses. And you can't, it becomes draining. It's always justifying why he is there when he give it the three trophies. Now he talks about the strikers and things. He's always justifying himself. Yes, he might be. But behind closed doors, he might be a great guy that gets the players involved and gets them on his side. I, I don't know what it is, but as a fan looking in, it just it doesn't. I don't like it. I do not like him being in charge of Tottenham Hotspur. I tell you what, how would West Ham feel? Well, if you're a West Ham fan, are you feeling the same way about David Moyes, or if you're David Moyes, are you feeling the same way about the players? Which way does that swing, Thomas? Because if Tottenham were conservative, then West Ham were basically sitting in the stands because they they even uh, I think it was James Collins was on Matchday Live, and he said um, West Ham were just set up not to win. They weren't a chance. And which way do you swing on that part of uh, their problems? Because uh, they're in a real pickle themselves. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a big fan of Moyes. I, th I think he obviously made a name in, in a great situation at, at Everton where he had a bunch of players. He had a, a great culture there. Um, you know, and, and, and when you have that, uh, it, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's fairly easy as a manager. You know, you just need to, you know, put 11 people out there and they're sorted out themselves. Uh, and, and I think still he's, he's a little bit of old school. I don't think he's sort of, matured with the way football has gone. Uh, I think he's been exposed at, you know, it was, you know, other clubs that he's been at, uh, you know, Sunderland as well was one of them. Uh, and I don't think he's the right man. I think it, maybe they're not good enough on paper as well. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, they have a fantastic side. So that's obviously something that he has to work with. But, but again, a little bit like we talk about Roy Hodgson, just negative setup. Uh, you know, why not go for it? Why not ha have a crack and, and, and try to get the best out of the players? Yeah. It's very cautious. Um, yeah, and I just don't think, you know, when the momentum is, is going the way it is for, for West Ham, when you then caution on top of it, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a recipe for, for success. The, the Harry, Gay, Harry, <laughs> the Harry Kane goal typifies it for me with West Ham. Do you, are you critical of the manager and the coaching staff? Or are you critical of the players? Now, 
only they can answer that in their inner sanctum, right? Because what I witnessed there was Declan Rice and the two centre-halves, Mark and Harry Kane, all ball-watching. Bear in mind, one's got a mark, one's got a cover, or Declan Rice marks Harry Kane, screens him in front, and the two cover. It's called the transition moment in a game. So if you lose it, you, you know, you're on the counter-attack. You've got to be ready for it. They're all ball-watching. Declan Rice has got his arms in the air and the, doesn't have any idea what's behind him. He's not even doesn't know Harry Kane's there. So there's no communication between the players. Have the coaching staff recognise that. And then when the counter comes, the three of them just almost open up and Harry Kane's through and it's a simple one-ball pass through. So it's one ball into a striker that has split that back defence. And then after Harry Kane scores, again, what I see is three players on the wide angle of the screen throwing their arms in the air, blaming each other. That there's something wrong with that. I cannot stand that. And I'm not even a fan of West Ham and I'm looking at that. I hate it when players do that. So the staff have now got to have a look. They'll be analysing that and they'll be saying, right, we were, we were to blame. We told you to cover like this or we didn't give you any information. All the players, were, they've worked on that in the know the moment and it's the players that are at fault. Only the coaching staff will know that in-house. But what, what I witnessed, I thought was absolutely shocking West Ham. They were shell-shocked. They were throwing their arms up. They were blaming each other. And that is toxic. Absolutely toxic. There's something really wrong. And whether that is they haven't enjoyed playing under Moyes or whatever, but there's been a lot of managers through that club with this players that have been on paper that haven't been able to get anything out of them. Yeah, you certainly did predict that a couple of weeks ago when we previewed the return to the season. It looks like, unfortunately, for Hammers fans, it's playing out exactly like that. Um, from one extreme to the other, though, uh, we talked, we waxed lyrical about Liverpool today. Poor, oh, I tell you, Manchester City against Burnley. I mean, feel sorry for Burnley and, and Sean Dyche with the team they had to put out, you know, with contract issues going to that June 23 deadline last week. But Manchester City were PlayStation stuff. Uh, unbelievable, right? Oh, they were, Thomas? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, again, I think you, you stuck a, a question to us. Who would, uh, you know, who would be one of the, the players since the restart? And, and you've got to take Phil Ford and, you yeah. know, the, you know, just uh, first of all, the the no look pass it shows confidence of of a, a great young player, and um, you know just overall, I think you know City, with everything that's going on, uh, I, I think it's a credit to Guardiola how how he sort of still, you know, kept them together, kept the focus on. You know they're far behind um, in in the Premier League. But they go out week in and week out and put in a performance. And yes, there were some circumstances around the game that, that didn't help Burnley. But, mm. you know, you still have to do the job. And, and the way they did it was, was mightily impressive. And, and, and again, Foden definitely stuck out as, as, as a huge highlight. And, and uh, he'll be, again, a player to watch. Tommy's jumping ahead of the script, Dave. He's he's he's, he's gone he's gone well ahead. And he's no, I love it. We've got to be it's total it's total it's total football on the gang. And part of it has got wherever we go. You know how it is, Bridgie. Um, goodness, Bridgie though. Foden. We've talked about Alexander Arnold. We've talked about Greenwood. Um, there's a few names that must excite you. Uh, at the moment around the traps. Well, before you do that, just say how good City were, Dave. You're playing against Burnley. That have got, you know, they had their their defensive setup with a four. They had their midfield four. You've got to break down two blocks of four. That's very hard to do. So I, I sent a group message out on the Optus group app. I said, "Can somebody please just send me the download of that game? Because what it is, the way Man City dissected them two lines with the movement, the passing, it was incredible. And the boy Taylor playing left back for Burnley, 
he must have gone to bed having nightmares about Mares and uh, oh, he, he, Mares. he would have woke up in the middle of the night yeah. thinking, oh, where is he? He, he? he would have crapped himself, mate, because he got torn apart. And I just wanted to have a look at that game so I can analyse Manchester City in that performance because it was just total football. And what was interesting, when they had their two defensive lines of four, City managed just to get a line of five in between and the defenders didn't know whether to come out, the midfielders didn't know whether to track back. It was just special, special football. And that's why Pep Guardiola has got this, just a special thing inside him about the way he plays football. And he rotates, but the players all know how to play the system. So I, I just thought it was absolutely a masterclass in how you should coach football. Yeah, top. Going back to your question, top. sorry, mate. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, look, Foden, Greenwood, um, uh, who we mentioned earlier, Alexander Arnold. No, it was just dawn on me, you know, at the moment, it, they've come back and there's some terrific, terrific young English players in, in really good form. Um, ironically enough, right now, it would have been the Euros, but perhaps in a year's time, you've got these young players that are going to be vying for a really, really competitive uh, eleven. Yeah, fantastic as well. You think how uh, Sancho's doing as well. Um, hmm. I still think Sterling is absolutely flying. He's not as obviously young as what they are, but there's a, there's a wealth of talent coming through and that's great. That is good for English football. And like you say, the more players that come through like that um, are just the feeders for the next generation of English, English internationals. And I think we will definitely see the three players that we've just mentioned there in the, in the Euros for mm -hmm. the, next, the next time, definitely. Influential as well. I probably took for granted just what a, an amazing motivator Guardia goal there is and how much their squad depth does raise competitiveness because um, they've just been outstanding and, and still alive on the FA Cup and eventually Champions League fronts too. So still plenty to play for. But when it comes to teams who haven't been as good, um, just to look at some of the other results and some of the other talking points so far, um, we mentioned Manchester United. We look at Tottenham. Is the position that's going to be up for grabs, is it Leicester's? Is that where the season's going to run down to a climax? Because that game against Brighton, uh, they looked a shadow of the team that we saw from them in that first part of the season where they were second to Liverpool on points. Now they're in the last, I think it's you know, 14 games or so, or 10 games, they're 14th in points. Um, do you see them being exposed to, say, Chelsea and Manchester United, perhaps maybe even Wolves getting those, those other spots there, Thomas? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they, they've been very comfortable, um, you know, in that uh, third spot for, for a long while. And, and when you look at it, the, the first two games and, and, you, and, and what, we, what you have to talk about is Casper Schmeichel absolutely having, mm -hmm. you know, two blinders. Mm -hmm. You know, that tells a bit of a, a story, you know, that you, you, your keeper had, had to, to dig yourself out of, of, of trouble um, uh, on both occasions. And, yeah, they just seem to lack that momentum that they have. Uh, that they had, uh, you know, players, you know, Madison, I think, uh, you know, he hasn't started uh, as, as well. He had a, a great stint into the, the lockdown and, and not really come out of it uh, in the same rate, rate of form. Uh, and that hasn't really uh, a big factor. So, yeah, I, I, I see them potentially uh, with Chelsea. You know, I think a big game for Chelsea tomorrow against Man City. If they can win that, that will create huge momentum and, and uh, will take them very close to, uh, to, to yeah, leapfrogging Leicester and get into that third spot. 
Yeah, Bridgie, I mean, Chelsea, we won't talk about it in too much length because listeners might hear this after the game has been played. Well, you'll um, get too excited. <laughs> and, and I don't want to keep you here for another two hours either. Um, but it was a big test against Aston Villa, not in the sense that Villa were tremendous opponents, but that, that Chelsea did go a goal behind. Same patterns appear that looked like they were going to dominate and not cut through, but they did. And it eventually told with some creative talent, Pulisic, uh, Barclay coming off the bench. But Mount was really influential. Um, how do you see tomorrow's yardstick going with City? And, and just more, more generally, Chelsea's prospects of, of making that top four with United. And Wolves, we must mention Wolves, yeah. down their neck. I was just about to say, I'm looking at Chelsea's fixtures. You've got, you've got Man City, you've got West Ham, Watford, Palace and Sheffield United. So the next four after this one, is they're, they're the huge ones for me. Anything out of this game against City, you've got to look at that and say, Frank Lampard and his staff and players will be going, we can get a point out of this game, we're taking it. It's huge because City have come back, they, like you say, they've, they've dominated, they've looked tremendous. Um, and it's, it's going to be a test, it's going to be a great game to watch. I can't call it because uh, you just don't know. I, I love watching both teams now because they're both playing attacking style. Lamp, Lampard's got them ticking. I'm more excited about seeing Chelsea next season, Dave, I've got to be honest. But I do think after this game with the running they've got, I, I can see them easily getting in that Champions League spot, no doubt about it. But I do I do fear for Leicester, like I was saying, you were just chatting with um, Tommy there. I, I fear for Leicester. Chelsea, not a problem. Get this game out of the way. Enjoy it for what it is. Um, just don't get taken to the cleaners like Burnley did. They've still got to have their defensive nous about them, but let's just enjoy it. And I think that's the way they've, they've got to go into that. They've got to compete, which they will, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Uh, absolutely. So, how good are Wolves, Thomas? They're, they've been... Tremendous. And um, we've talked so much about United and Chelsea, but like, you can't rule them out. No, nah, they've, they've uh, been, been consistent all the way through and, and you know, started with, with, with two wins. And, and they just seem to, you know, they, was, they keep it tight. Um, you know, that's obviously a, a base that they work from. And, and, and then they, you know, you've got Jimenez up front, who's, uh, you know, in, in all competitions, the the leading goal scorer uh, in, in English football. And and then uh, Traore, who's, you know, yeah, he's always been a, a fast, uh, quick player. But I think this season, he's just taken his game to, to another level. And, and again, in the first two games, again today, uh, just a, a quick, uh, you know, quick step, uh, get that half a yard and then swing in a, a perfect cross. Uh, and Jimenez just seems to be there all the time. And and they just got a great setup. Um, that the, the, you know they 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 don't let you know they don't let the other team create many chances. Um, you know very disciplined uh, and just waiting for those chances. And uh, yeah, they don't play expansive football like a uh, Man City, but um, you know they don't have to. They they they're just getting the results and and have the players that can make the difference at the right time. They're controlling games. The possession yeah. that they're doing, they're able to control games. And mainly a few seasons, like I think it was last year, they were relying on a lot of counter-attack. They were sitting in, they were trying to keep possession when they could. But they, when they're getting in the other half or the mid-third now, they're able to control. They're a lot more confident. I think they've given them a, a new lease of life uh, rather than just relying on, on a bit of pace in the counter-attack, which we saw them do against Man City as well, which we're always this, this year. So I've, I've been super impressed with them. And I... I I'd love to see United or Wolves really have a crack with Chelsea and Leicester drop out because it's 49 points as opposed to 55 with Leicester. Uh, um, 
it's going to be very interesting because I don't see Leicester picking up many points. Mm. I, I think it'll be between United and Wolves that might pip, their, pip them in there. I think you might be right. I think with the City asterisk next to their name, it wouldn't shock me if you see Wolves in the Champions League next year, which is what their owner actually predicted when they came up from the Championship, which is actually quite... Quite remarkable. Um, the scary side of that, Dave, is when I'm just looking at the five fixture everybody has coming up, and you see Aston Villa's name against Liverpool, you see it against United, you see it against Wolves. I'd, I'd be going, oh, they're, they're in a world of pain, mate. Have to see. Just, I didn't realise how many games, tough games they had. That point could be invaluable against Newcastle United. I know I've just gone off track there. but No, um, you've actually steered it magnificently, Bridget. Oh, there you go. Absolutely magnificently, because you talk about Villa... And we talk about West Ham and we talk about all these teams that are um, just in terrible form. No one is trying to get themselves out of relegation danger. This morning, Everton beats Norwich 1-0. Obviously, Wolves' success was against Bournemouth. They are, I think they've lost 18 games this season. It's just an utter disaster. Um, Aston Villa won all against Newcastle. They needed a late goal to bounce back there. Um, it's it's pretty perilous down there. Um, who do you see? You know, I've got to pick you up on something, Bridgie. I don't think it changes. I do well, not got, see the bottom three changing. Uh, hang on, hang on. I'm going to put I'm going to put you straight <laughs> because you came on last week's gag and fight and said it's not changing, and then went on weekend warm up live, and I thought, oh, he, Bridgie will probably say as I said on the gag and pot or something like that, and you've tipped Brighton to go down. No, I didn't tip them to go down. I said they've got a hell of a chance of going down. I forgot what I actually said in the Gagan pod. <laughs> yeah, I can't see a change. And I just think that Watford have got an extra game in hand, Dave. You've called me out there. You're quite correct. Um, the fixtures at the bottom three have got are too tough, I believe. And I, I just can't, I've seen nothing from them since we've come back from the, the matches start. And I've seen nothing that's really said, oh, they're going to have a crack here. Mm. It's been, Norwich played a, a second string team because they're looking at the FA Cup. There's a lot more money to survive in the Premier League than there is in the FA Cup, believe you me. So I'd, I, I just, I think they're resigned to Championship football next season. Villa have been an absolute joke. Um, they wish they had 10 Jack Grealishes to try and get them some, because every time he gets the ball, he's the only one that looks likely. And de- defensively today, when they played Newcastle United, you've got um, Gale came on with Andy Carroll, two players that have not been in any form whatsoever. Um, it was a bit of, you know, just a bit of relief for change. They literally walked onto the field. Andy Carroll won the ball, turned and played a through ball to Gale. The defenders didn't even see Gale come on the field as a substitute. Now, when you're in that situation of relegation and you just allow two players to get their first touches and score, and if, you, if anybody goes to watch it on the Optus app, you will see how it's, Gale just can't believe his luck. He's like, my word, I'm, I'm open in space here. It, it, you can't have moments like that. So they're, they're in disarray. And Bournemouth, I feel for Eddie Howney's men, I think they're great runners come to an end. So um, I'm sticking with that, Dave, and I'm going to remember what I said so I don't say Brighton are going down because Aaron Moy and Matty Ryan are here to stay in the Prem. Yeah, they were pretty solid against um, Leicester as well. So we'll see how they go going forward. Um, now, in terms of previewing the action going forward, Thomas, you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll let Arsenal off the, off the hook a little bit. We've got them tomorrow morning against Southampton because we spent a lot of time on them last week. Um, Burnley host Watford tomorrow as well. Uh, Watford are one team, um, we should add, who, who looked all right, actually, coming back in. Um, and Chelsea, Man City at 5.15am, the big game tomorrow. But I will ask you this. The good news is, though, um, we're going to have David Luiz to talk about it for another year. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you surprised to see him sign on? Uh, 
I, I think it's just a lack of options, um, you know, sadly. <laughs> uh, he's a good, like we talked to him again, you know, we can keep it. No, he's a good player. Uh, is there a, a space for him uh, in, in the back line or is it in midfield? Uh, you know, I find it hard to, to find the perfect spot for him. Um, but but no, what's come been. out of it? There's a rubbish bin out the back. They get delivered <laughs> once a week. Put them in there, and then he'll be yeah. never seen again. Put them in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a it's a it's a lot of things going into it. You know, obviously, yeah, lack of options, uh, injuries. Uh, you know, what else can they get in at at, uh, at the present time? Um, again, they have to pay transfer fees. Yeah, he's on big wages, but again, what what how does that balance up? Uh, and then it's also come out that he is actually a, a, an important player in, in the dressing room. Uh, I don't know if it's just something they, 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 they've said just to, to sort of justify the, <laughs> the extension. But, uh, you know, at least they, they, uh, Tessa came out and really, uh, you know, uh, gave, him, gave him a, a talk up and, and for, for his off-the-field leadership and, and on-the-field leadership. So, yeah, you know, they made a decision. Um, Edu, I think, uh, came, came out as well. So, you know, he's got the support, uh, it seems, at least from, from the outside uh, looking in. Um, so, yeah, we're, again, we're stuck with him and uh, it gives us more talking points here on the Gagan pod for sure. So we, we, we can only be pleased with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm great because, he, like we say, he's the gift that just keeps on giving. And if we can have another year of him to talk about on the Gagan pod, bring it on. But what I, what I will say on a serious note is it doesn't say much for me for the Arsenal Academy or the players that are coming through when you're seeing a player make that many mistakes for your football club and kids or you know the ones that are coming through not getting an opportunity and it says nothing for the the academy itself or what Arsenal are producing because if they can't produce people to come in and you're happy to pay somebody that kind of money that has made that many mistakes on a regular basis I think it absolutely stinks and I'm not just saying that because it's Arsenal I just think it is he might you can be a good character off the field in the dressing room but at the end of the day it could cost Arteta his job it's already cost one manager his job playing him Mm. Already, Frank Lampard saw that he was a good guy in the Chelsea dressing room but Lampard and the staff were like hang on he's vulnerable on the pitch so there's a, there's a fine line I think it's a massive missed opportunity and I, I can't believe it because I remember playing for Bolton Wanderers with Sam Allardyce and I got a year's contract and I was absolutely stinking all pre-season he said to me Bridgie it's great to have you around the, around the training ground absolutely brilliant but you're not going to get a game so we've had Sunderland come in touch get yourself up there I was like oh Sam I'd love to stay here to just because you're a good lad off the field doesn't mean you justified a new bloody contract. Please, that's just absolute garbage because it's going to cost you a job. So that really upset me. But like you say, we're happy we can get more joy out of David Luiz and his misdemeanors. Yeah, and, and just a thing to add, you know, and maybe that's a bit of a conspiracy, but, but potentially we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But you've got Edu, Brazilian, um, you know, you don't know what, what sort of agreements have been made and... and there might not be an agreement between the manager and Edu. You know that 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 I know I'm speculating here, but uh, you know that, I love that, it. that's yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I think Arteta uh, again must be seeing some of the same things that, that we are seeing. Um, and, and with this you know, extension, um, I'm just questioning if if uh, you know Edu being a Brazilian, uh, if if there are you know, oh, I mean, down the line could potentially be some. Some a little bit of friction there between the manager um, and you know the, the upper hierarchy of, of the club. Um, they don't have the don't same know. Name, do they? Edu and um, David Luiz. Just, <laughs> yeah, just speculating. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I tell you what, against Southampton with Danny Ings, Redmond in red hot form, it wouldn't shock you to see Arsenal's test get, defence get tested once again. So we're going to see that on Friday morning at 3am. Uh, there's FA Cup action through the weekend, but we've still got Aston Villa as, against Wolves on Saturday night at the viewer friendly time of 9.30pm Eastern as well. So the feast continues. We hope that we wake up on Friday morning, gents. I'm wearing the Matildas jersey. We hope we wake up on Friday morning to spectacular news for Australian football here and a New Zealand football. I did read a very troubling article on The Guardian this morning that suggested that Colombia has got the UEFA vote. So I, I hope that is not true. Um, but we've, we've been there before. We, we know you can only wait until the vote comes through because nothing you can do about it from our end over here. So fingers, toes, Everything crossed that we've got lots to celebrate. Sunday, Friday morning, 7.30 on Optusport social channels. You'll see a reaction show loaded up with all our Optusport talent. Uh, Heather Garriock, Amy Duggan will be talking through it and what it means or doesn't mean for Australian football. So we cannot yeah, wait. We have, the, we have the biggest grown sport in girls football in this country and well, women's football in this country. You know, at grassroots is fantastic. We've got James Johnson, who has been with FIFA. He, he's got a lot of contacts, mate. I'm hoping that he's got a few of them over the line. And we have the facilities and the infrastructure to show it. And what we do have as well, we've got one of the lowest rates with New Zealand, obviously, leading the way with the COVID situation at this moment in time. It's a no-brainer. Let's just hope that we are celebrating. 100%. 100%. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, again, I... I uh, no, who's who's got the better one pad? I'm a little bit scared of it. It's FIFA. Mm. Uh, I, th I think they sometimes have a, a thing for throwing a spanner in the works and have some ideas about developing countries, and, and we're going to do someone a favour. And I, I just can't trust them, even though it, it seems a no-brainer. I think uh, I'll still be, be be a bit nervous. Yeah, we can only wait now. We can only wait. Well, Jens, thanks so much for your time. I, I wanted to ask you just generally before we go. Um, We've spoken so much game by game, but Bridget, what have you made of the Premier League's return? Fast, slow, interesting, quick? Have the players coped? What have you made of it? A very mixed, Dave. Uh, it's been very mixed. Some teams you've been absolutely delighted with watching. Like you say, Liverpool, Manchester United and Manchester City being superb at the lower end of the tables. It. I was expecting a hell of a lot more. They just look like they have been in drips and drabs. So it, it's been... Has it got me excited? It, it's. I think it's over. It's over. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? Over delivered in certain areas with your cities and your Liverpool because I didn't think they would be able to replicate what they have done this season, but they have. And very lacklustre from the ones in the bottom. They've had no desire. They've had not nothing to show for it. Um, been impressed with Newcastle. They've come out and shown something. And the you know you mentioned before Thomas um, about the boy um, Foden. Coming that looks, you know, looks a, a player that just fits in there. The boy Maximus, is it Maximus or Maxim? Or Alan's at Maxim, yeah. Thank you. What a player! Mm. Tell you what, he he is absolutely superb. He's coming in, in Traore again, another one at, at Wolves. I'm just going, the, the players that have really excited us. Um, I don't know what I've made of it. It's just great, it's back, but it, it, it just hasn't fulfilled something. Them three teams I mentioned have, but some, some of it hasn't. Yeah, there's just been some, hasn't it, Thomas, where it's just maybe maybe it's because this middle game, it's the back-to-back. -back. I wonder if that's had an impact as well in the short space of time. But I asked that question just because the last few days, I've enjoyed watching it, but there's just been something that maybe it's the heat. It just does seem a little bit 
off the pace in some instances? I think the fans uh, play play a huge role. Uh, I think the atmosphere, and especially like we talked about some of the the uh, bottom teams feeling you know a little bit off the pace, uh, lacking a bit of energy. And, and I think you know I played in 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 the bottom, and I think I know how much. Uh, the importance of, of the fans are and, and, and that energy that you feed off, especially at home. Uh, and that's missing. Yes, been some, some great football. Uh, the top teams have delivered in, in a lot of games and, and individual brilliance. But, but that energy, I think, has been lacking. I think that's been, uh, that's, that's, that's been a big thing. It's, it's been very similar in the Bundesliga, Dave. The, the teams like your Bayern Munich, the Dortmunds, the, they've really gone on and kicked on from that. The top teams, they've, they've had something to go for. Again, the, the, the Bundesliga, I was surprised how fit and how sharp the, some of the players came back. But then you go to the middle ones that this season's kind of not avoid. They can't get into Europe and they can't get relegated. And they, they've had nothing to offer again. So it's just been hitty-missy. Um, and that's how I feel the Premier League has been. And Thomas is, I think Thomas is hitting the nail on the head. The teams that have needed a little bit of a lift and a kick um, haven't been able to get it from their fans in, in that instance. And again, your Spurs, playing the way they've been playing, haven't been getting the jeers that they have been to play this negative football, wanting the opposite. Um, it's, I think it's suited Mourinho behind closed doors. So, yeah, just, I don't feel satisfied, but I'm satisfied that it is back. So, take out of that what you need. No, I think I know. I think, and after 48 podcasts, I should. I think I know what you mean, Bridgie. I think I'm with you on, on that one there. So we'll see. We've got a lot to get through coming forward, and we'll all make a lot more sense over the next uh, eight days. You know what it sounds like? I think it's like my wife's first date because the first date that we ever had, she actually came away from that saying, I didn't feel satisfied. You, you took us for an Indian, you know, it was a cheap Indian meal, 10 cores for like £10. It was a, a cheap glass of wine. I didn't really go to town and, you know, she, she said she was satisfied with the company, but the meal itself and the occasion was pretty lacklustre and crap. So that's how I felt about the Premier League return of me. I'll use my wife's analysis of my first date with her. I'm going to say the right thing and go, it's only uphill from here. There so you go. lots of <laughs> It did the trick. I've got the ring to prove it. <laughs> Good stuff. Gents, thanks so much for your time today. Great fun as always. And uh, the bottom line is, Bridgie, we've got football to talk about. And that's the main thing. So have a great day to both of you. Thomas, enjoy your time up in Byron Bay. And we'll do it all again next week, if you will. Look look forward to it. I'm just jealous Tommy's up there at Byron Bay, mate. I know exactly what he's doing. Out there in double doors, straight onto the beach. And he's doing his paddleboard and he's doing his cycling. Oh, mate. What a life. <laughs> and then a bit of a gagging pot as well to just top it all off. Perfect, perfect. Just have a good day. Everyone out there, thanks for listening. And as ever, until the next episode, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.